As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Previously on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. You mentioned the movie. Yes. He got game. That is the Thank movie. you, Spike Lee. Dude. You're still getting checks. People still definitely pull that movie up on Netflix Prime, wherever it's at, and kick it and just watch it. You know what's funny is I ran into Dame Lillard. I don't know him. Okay. Never met him. I walk into the garden this year right before they're playing him. It's the first selfie I've ever taken. (laughs) I walk in there. He's like, oh, we were just talking about you. We were just watching He Got Game. Uh And then it it, it dawned on me, like, like Russell Westbrook, Kyle Lowry. When they doing that, when after they dunk, that's me. You celebrate. That it's comes you. From me. It's you, dog. And, and, that, and I told Spike, Spike, I, I should have copywriter or something. I don't know, patent it or something, because <laughs> I see all that. Should I get paid every time when somebody raises the roof and they say I got hops? Because I started that. And that wasn't in the script or anything. I just off script and I just ad-libbed it. And, um, but, you know, it just, it's, it's great that uh, guys sit there watching that movie and saying that that movie meant a lot to them and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a special place. And Spike told us, give me everything you got on every, on every scene. And this movie will pay you the rest of your life. And he didn't lie. That was Lonnie, AKA my co-host on MSG 150, John Wallace on last week's episode of Buckets, Boards and Blocks, discussing his role in the movie, you know, the movie Spike Lee joint. He got game today. I'm joined by my producer, Bruce Bernstein, as we get ready for tonight's NBA draft, break down the Anthony Davis blockbuster Woj bomb trade, and, of course, look at the Raptors championship run. Ha, ha, ha. Do I sound like Kawhi? <laughs> we're also talking, <laughs> Close about, enough. We're also talking about free agency uh, starting July 1st. It's going to be a wild one, guys. Darlene, hey, girl, let's run it. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Buckets, Boards and Blocks is hosted by a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a well-executed fade screen and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. A lover of threes in transition, Monica McNutt. Welcome into Buckets, Boards and Blocks. I do love a good screen fade action. It is truly my favorite thing. Bruce Bernstein, producer extraordinaire, co-host, sidekick, joins me on the show. Bruce, you ready? I am ready. Let's do this. All right, here we go. So Thursday night, NBA draft night, young men's lives will be forever changed and franchises one, two, and three might be changed uh, with a conviction. Others may be looking to add some pieces to build. Zion, are you ever tired of talking about Zion Williamson, Bruce? Zion Williamson has got to be the most hyped number one pick I don't know, since LeBron in 2003. Um, we had uh, Don McLean on with the Catch and Shoot podcast uh, with uh, Adam and Noah, and he worked Zion out because uh, he works with the company who's representing him. And he was just talking about how he has just never seen anything like him when it comes to athleticism, explosiveness, and what a really nice young guy he is. Yeah, that is. it's funny because that's what struck me when – Duke was in D.C. for, um, what is that, Elite Eight round? He was so incredibly sincere 
Um, just very gracious as a kid. And then I'm not going to lie. There are a few times that I've stood next to athletes and been really blown away, right? We operate in the space. You know, these guys are big, tall, strong. But like Zion is every ounce of what he's built to be. And then seeing him in person, that amount of power and size just pops up off the ground like it's so easy. I mean, he's incredible. But I think the thing that really struck me was how gracious he was. At one point, I can't remember the question, but he and RJ Barrett were on the dais. And I th- it was something about after the Virginia Tech game. I can't remember exactly what it was, but RJ kind of was a little bit jovial in his response. Um, and Zion felt like it wasn't exactly the best look because it was in regards to the other team. And so he kind of nudged him and answered in addition to RJ's answer with this very, you know, business-like, respectful deal just to make sure that something so small didn't turn into something big. And to me, that was just so impressive. You know, absolutely. I mean, for a team like New Orleans, it's kind of, you know, starting over uh, after the Davis trade, which I know we'll talk a little bit more about the the, uh, Pelicans' future. You want guys that are are leadership, you know, have leadership qualities. And he definitely appears to have that in addition to uh, his physical skills. Um, As I mentioned a moment ago, Don McLean, who worked him out, was saying when they weighed him at the workout, he was 284 pounds, which makes him the second heaviest guy in the NBA right now. Wow. Um, Boban for the 76ers weighs more than that, but there's nobody else in the league that is that big. And, you know, a lot of times you think of guys, the one-and-done guys, as coming out of college, you know, kind of not really physically ready to compete with these Mm -hmm. other, you know, grown men that are in the league. But doesn't look like that's going to be a problem for Zion. Not in the least. Jeez, he's the second heaviest guy already? Already. And he hasn't even, you know, he's 19, right? I mean, what's he going to be like when he's 26? Wow, Bruce. That's, I mean, and he just moves so well. I think the comparisons to LeBron, I know, I mean this term with love. I know some of the old heads are comparing him to Charles Barkley when he first got into the league, but I obviously was not paying close attention at that point. So by my standard, they're old heads. But Charles also is a guy that's revered and a Hall of Famer and had a very successful NBA career. So I'm super excited for the Pelicans. Now, you mentioned that team. Do you actually think it's a full-on rebuild? Because I think that they could be the next feisty young Sacramento Kings squad. I mean, if Brandon Ingram comes back healthy from the blood clot, if Lonzo Ball pans out to be what Magic Johnson thought he could be in terms of saying his his jersey could end up in the rafters at Staples Center, I love Josh Hart. I mean, he's not a superstar, but he's a very solid player. And they've still they've got four as well. I mean, what you think, Bruce? Well, you know, they have a legitimate all-star right now with Drew Holiday. Correct. Who's a really, you know, great two-way player. Figure Zion's going to start, you know, Lonzo, Ingram. And don't forget, they've also now got the number four pick in the draft as well. Now, you know, they're not going to get John Morant. They're not going to get uh, Barrett. But they could end up trading that pick. And who knows what they might be able to get. They might be able to get an established guy, maybe a young up-and-coming star, someone perhaps who isn't, you know, a great fit on the team they're currently on. So, yeah, I mean, it is hard to call it a rebuild when you have all that. But it just seems like a new day is dawning there. And uh, the, 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 the deal that David Griffin was able to make with the Lakers, I think, is one of the great executive moves in a long time, considering that 
the Lakers were bidding against themselves pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, think- and, and while, while the Celtics, I think, were nominally still in there, I really feel like Danny Ainge stayed in it knowing that he wasn't going to get Anthony Davis because Anthony Davis and his agent pretty much made it clear they did not want to play in Boston. And that's fine. I mean, good for him. He has that option. But I really feel Danny Ainge stayed in it to try and drive the price up for the Lakers and they paid a very heavy price for this deal. And so now maybe David Griffin owes Danny Ainge one down the road. We'll see. Hmm. That's an interesting thought. I know yesterday on the MSG or earlier this week, Wally Zerbiak was discussing this trade and he really does. He thinks that the Pelicans got hosed a little bit because he's not confident in some of those players from the Lakers as they are budding into formidable superstars or perennial all-stars look you never really know with young players the the jury is still out on Lonzo Ball he's definitely a good defensive player he still needs to work on his shot but look the guy was the number two pick in the draft and you don't get pick number two in the draft unless you're talented in many ways with him you know I think one of the things with him was always kind of carrying the baggage of having his dad LeVar in the mix but Hopefully, uh, LeVar will be a little bit humbled by the fact that Lonzo got traded, and maybe they're all going to be like, okay, fresh start, New Orleans, uh, you know, young core guys with something to prove now, right? When you get traded when you're that big. I mean, look what happened with D'Angelo Russell. He was also the number two pick in the draft a few years ago, also by the Lakers, was traded had a chip on his shoulder and became an all-star. So maybe Lonzo can follow something like that uh, pattern. Oh, Bruce, you didn't already hear LeVar Ball this week on first take, how he did exactly what he wanted to do. He said he didn't want to be traded and got everybody in a huff, but New Orleans is exactly where his son should be and how they're going to be playing in the playoffs. (laughs) LeVar is, he's good entertainment. I I will say this. Uh, I know Molly Karam because I work with her and with with ESPN, and what he said to her was really inappropriate. And Molly, Completely. you know, if, if you were if you recall, but Molly handled it so well. She's such a class act. And Lavar, listen, I mean, he's he's so full of himself. We'll we'll see what happens. I mean, he's he's writing these checks that Lonzo has to cash, and I don't really think that's fair to Lonzo. I agree with you a hundred percent, and that is a worthy shout out to Molly. She was very graceful. He really should just think a little bit more before he speaks, but I get it. Okay, Bruce. So the other side of this Pelicans-Lakers extravaganza is the team left in La La Land that Vegas already predicts to be a championship squad. Are you buying that? I personally am not. The jury for me on that one is definitely out because they're going to be very top heavy. I'm a big LeBron fan. I'm a huge LeBron fan. And he's going to be 35 years old but he is this superhuman specimen and i you know i would never put anything past him with with ad i mean look he's definitely a great player but now you've got these two guys and then a bunch of other guys that said i don't think they're done they still have money some people are saying well should they try and go get another max player in order to do that they're going to have to move some money around because they're at about 23 million under the cap right now and they would need to be at about 32 to get another max player. If it's me, and I'm certainly no general manager, I think they should be looking for a couple of guys that are maybe really good, perhaps 3 and D types, 
because uh, they need shooters on that team. They're going to do well inside with AD and LeBron, but they're going to need to space the floor. And right now, I don't see a lot of shooters on that team. But I will say this. Rajon Rondo is there. He and AD played in New Orleans in the 2017-18 season and did pretty well together. And I think Rondo is one of those guys that, that does have a chip on his shoulder. So I'm, I could see them being number two or three in the West and then see if they're peaking at the right time. Maybe they could do well in the playoffs. But I'm looking at Denver, and I'm seeing a pretty solid team there. And, you know, everybody is kind of down on Houston right now because of this supposed rift between CP3 and Harden. But they're kind of still there. So let's see what happens. I mean, you can't win a championship with two players. Boom. I agree with you on that. And it's funny because when we had this discussion on the show, Wally's like, I'm all in on the Lakers. And I'm, I'm just not. But in the same breath, I have a hard time thinking of who out West I am all in on. I really, really like Denver. I think even with the new configuration, I don't know if Portland gets healthy and is able to retain all of that talent. Um, I, I don't know. It's going to be super interesting. The big thing in all of this is the West almost seems slightly reconfigured due to the injuries that the Golden State Warriors suffered. And you absolutely 100% wish Klay Thompson and Kevin Durant a speedy and healthy recovery, but it's going to be interesting to watch and see how this thing shakes up on the West. If that team is not what we've been accustomed to the last five years or so. So definitely keeping an eye on that. The Lakers, I, I don't know, Bruce, I might have to give them the edge, assuming that Frank Vogel is going to use load management to the best of his ability. I think the durability of Anthony Davis is absolutely key And if their scouting department can do some serious digging and find some diamonds in the rough, so to speak. I mean, we've talked about this draft class in terms of after three, all these guys kind of are very similar. But talking with John Rothstein and Howie Schwab and all those guys that really dig into college, just because, to use John's word, the mercurial talent is one, two, and three, doesn't mean that the guys in the rest of the draft can't be long NBA career having guys is as key role players. So if one of them begins to bud, so to speak, in that draft selection that the Lakers have, I mean, I don't know. They could surprise us with some depth. Listen, I would never put anything uh, past. I would, I would never underestimate any team that LeBron James is on. And again, one guy that we didn't mention that they were able to keep in the trade is Kyle Kyle Kuzma and he's had a couple very good years he kind of took a slight step back last year but I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that he might have been a little bit unnerved by the fact that he was sort of dangled in the trade but now that he knows that he is beloved and loved by the Lakers management uh, he's really really good and I think uh, listen you know I don't know if he's all-star caliber but Um, there's still the Lakers and that counts for something. There is a certain mystique, a certain swagger with a franchise like that. So uh, um, I'll keep an open mind about him. I think that's smart. I will say that if Kawhi ends up with the Clippers, I'm putting my chips in on the Clippers. But anyway, we're going to move back over to the East Coast, tying this one to the Lakers, a signature rivalry in the league and one Bruce Bernstein's team the Boston Celtics, Bruce. What's going on? Al Horford wants out? What's the deal? Al Horford 
when the Celtics signed Al Horford a few years ago, I was just so happy. I watched him from a distance when he was with Atlanta. And the word that I always used to describe Al Horford was warrior. He was just a guy who went out there every single night and just played his heart out. He left it all on the court. And when he came to Boston, I just felt so good about it. Because in addition to being a real you know, competitor on the court, he always was a guy that showed leadership. And I think in the year prior to this one, his leadership really came to the fore when it came to helping guys like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum learn the ropes. You need a guy like Al Horford in your locker room. And to me, it's unbelievably disappointing if he doesn't come back because they still need Al Horford's leadership in the locker room. And if he's looking to go elsewhere, I just have this feeling, and I don't know anything that anybody else doesn't know. I, if somebody's going to give him a long-term deal, I think New Orleans might be the place for him. Because Ooh. they, if they do keep the number four pick, here's a guy that can work with Zion Williamson in practice every day, right? He'll, he'll show him uh, what he needs to learn to be a professional as far as preparing himself, thinking the game, playing it right. So if I had to guess who's going to give Al Horford a three- or a four-year contract, my money would be on New Orleans. I like that. That's a good fit. Everything you mentioned, I agree with in terms of him as a veteran, um, someone to help anchor that group. Ooh, I like that. Now, I guess we'd have to look at the numbers because the reports are that he's looking for a four-year deal. And obviously the Celtics didn't agree with the numbers that he was going after. But I appreciate guys betting on themselves. Um, The news just came down that the Sacramento Kings... Harrison Barnes also opted out. Um, So, I mean, we'll see. I I think beyond Horford, though, I mean, the Celtics were, you mentioned, trying to help maybe that Danny Ainge was trying to help drive up the price on Anthony Davis. But if Al Horford doesn't return and Kyrie Irving doesn't return, what you got, Bruce? What's going on? Well... Um, then then they have to make some really tough decisions. They would have to decide on what they're going to do with Terry Rozier. And he was one of the guys that was really unhappy with his role last year. Um, and I don't blame him at all. He played tremendous ball in the 2018 playoffs. And I really like Terry Rozier. I mean, I look at a guy, when I watch guys, right, I'm not a huge analytics guy. But when I look at guys on the court, there are certain guys when they play that I, I just describe them as like having crackle in their game. I mean, when I look at Terry Rozier, I see like, you know, this energy when he has the ball in his hands and he's moving and he just kind of crackles with energy. And I really like that. And I think that he's a guy who has a lot of confidence in himself. Tatum is going to be really good. I think Jalen Brown is a, is an excellent young guy with Horford leaving. You know, they had to make a real decision on Marcus Morris because he's Mm -hmm. also a free agent. Mm -hmm. He was probably their most consistent guy up front last year because he was durable. He played a lot. And I really like Marcus Morris. So maybe that means that Morris stays. So if you're Boston, you're looking at, okay, Tatum, Morris, you know, uh, Brown, Rozier, um, Aaron Baines, and, you know, some guys coming off the bench, but they definitely need more. I mean, if they don't get, if they don't have more than that, uh, they're not even going to win 49 games next year. So, but then I do have faith in Danny. Okay, so here's my thing, though, Bruce. Are we saying, what year is this, 2018, 2019? Are we saying that the 2017, 2018 run that they made while 
while Kyrie was out and both Gordon Hayward were out was a flash in the pan? Because to me, except Al Horford, you're looking at that group again. It's a good core, no question about it. Um, so, and, and, you know, really Brad Stevens is going to be on the spot a little bit too because Brad has pretty much had a nice run in Boston where nobody really put any heat on him for, you know, he got a lot of praise obviously, but, you know, this past season I think he took a little step backwards as a coach too. And I think part of that was the whole, you know, Kyrie situation where, um, you never really knew what his mood was going to be on a given day. So it may be that this is the kind of team that suits Brad Stevens more. But I want to see more from them. I mean, look, they do have, you know, assets in this draft. They have, I think, three picks in the first one and a half rounds or something. I'd have to double check that. But um, I'm, with, with Horford's number coming off the books, who knows? Maybe, that, maybe that's going to be a sign and trade, you know, where, where you know, if, if, uh, if David Griffin does want Horford and they have, and there's somebody there that feels like, you know, they have, you know, uh, we, you know, I owe you one or whatever, maybe something happens there where they get something back. Who knows? Maybe that number four pick, maybe one of the guys new Orleans has that Boston might like, but yeah, I mean, in another two weeks after the free agency thing gets up and running, We'll see where they're at. But Boston Celtics fans are not happy right now, and and understandably so. Absolutely, understandably so. Lots to watch. One, two, and three seem to be a done deal, but excited for the draft tonight. Free agency is going to be insane. But one thing that we know for certain, Bruce, and that we all got to enjoy, some to our surprise, some to our chagrin, the Toronto Raptors, led by one Kawhi Leonard on a one-year mercenary-type deal, your reigning NBA champions from the 2018-2019 season. Beyond the fact that I will be the first to admit that I underrated how good the Toronto group was at a, as a unit, and I honestly don't think I gave Kawhi Leonard the credit that he deserves. He was absolutely incredible. How much does Kawhi making this happen in a one-year deal sort of change the landscape and the willingness of GMs to take such big risks moving forward? You know, that's a really good question because most of these guys do tend to be risk averse. They don't, you know, and Ainge is a good example of that. He didn't want to, he didn't want to do a one-year rental for Anthony Davis. Uh, again, there were other factors there too. The whole Kyrie thing played into that as well. But really, it's it's a good question. I mean, that was a very unusual case. And when you had Megan McPeak on uh, a couple months ago in one of your very first shows. She was talking about how um, the the medical staff in Toronto really treated him so well. And I think it it was just very unusual in a lot of different ways, the way it worked out there. I mean, she she made the point that by having him uh, miss 22 regular season games, by the way, the Raptors went 17 and five in those 22 games that he sat out. Um, They really positioned him to be at his peak level of performance when it mattered the most. So um, I don't know that anybody can really use the Kawhi Leonard Raptors situation as sort of a template for what they should do. I just think there were a lot of things there that were unique to that situation. That's a good point. You think he stays? I mean, you're right. Megan was like, the training staff will have something to do with it. But was it enough? 
You know, that's really that's a really tough call. And if I'm Kawhi Leonard, I'm agonizing over this one because on the one hand, you want to defend the championship with the guys that you went into battle with that were, you know, great teammates. But look, it's not totally on him. I mean, Danny Green's a free agent also. There's a guy who I think could end up in the Lakers, you know, next year because he gives them that 3 and D sort of presence. But I don't know. I mean, I don't think so. Um, in, in some ways, he can say, listen, you know, I gave you something you never thought you were going to get. Um, it was good for both of us, but it's time for me to move on. And if he did say, well, I'll stay to defend the championship, if he signs a short-term deal, I don't think that's in his interest to do that. Because what happens if he does get hurt again? Then he, you know, is his, you know, it, that's that's a little bit too much loyalty for my taste if I'm one of his, you know, confidants or advisors. Yeah, I mean, and as I think back to some of our guests, we have Mike Hill on of Fox Sports, who also does the pre and post game show with the Clippers. Now, granted, a lot may have changed. But when we talked to Mike, I know that he was pretty confident that Kawhi would be a Clipper starting next season. I, I will say, though, and this obviously has personal ties, folks, that listen to this show, as I'm a part of an MSG broadcast, this idea that he might end up with the Knicks, I didn't even know that that was viable until the last couple weeks, honestly. But there are people in New York that think that's very, very viable. Yeah, well, New York Knicks fans have this tendency to always think that people just love the idea of playing in New York. <laughs> I'm personally not all that uh, much in agreement with that because, you know, Kawhi Leonard is an L.A. guy, okay? Um, the Clippers are a really good situation in that they have some young guys, role-playing types, you know, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Montrez Harrell, um, a really good coach in Doc Rivers, a great owner and Steve Ballmer. So to me, the New York Knicks are not an attractive situation to me. Um, but again, and it, it's not like you have to be in the New York market anymore to get the big uh, endorsement deals. If you're a good player with social media now, you don't need to be in the New York market to uh, put yourself in position to make all that additional income. So the New York Knicks fans may be tripping a little bit if they think they're getting Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> boo, sorry, New boo, York. Boo. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Monica. Sorry, New York. Buckets, boards, and blocks with me, Monica McNutt, is one of four weekly shows from Pure Hoops Media. I'm here every Thursday with great guests like John Wallace and Nate Burleson of CBS Sports and the NFL Network. The Pure Hoops podcast drops each Friday with three-time NBA champ B.J. Armstrong and Eric Newman. B.J. has great stories from the Bulls dynasty and his current role as an agent for high-profile NBA stars. On Monday, it's the Mike Wise Show. Mike's recent guests have included Jeff Van Gundy of ESPN and ABC. You know you heard him on the finals. As well as ESPN front office insider Bobby Marks. Finally, on Wednesday, we have Catch and Shoot with Adam Stanko and Noah Kozlov. They mix great knowledge with humor and great storytelling. Please sample all of our shows, rate them, review, download, subscribe, and most of all, enjoy. This time of year, the draft super exciting, but free agency again is going to be a madhouse. There are so many teams with tough decisions to make. I mean, if Kawhi does stay in the East, right, like they probably 
would be the favorite. But then the Bucks have some decisions to make. Chris Middleton, obviously Giannis isn't going anywhere. The Sixers have a ton of decisions. Well, not at least two big time decisions to make. Um, God only knows what's going on in D.C., my hometown, in terms of the Wizards. I imagine Bradley Bill is no longer a Wizard just because they have just been so decimated by injuries. And I personally would love for Usai Majiri um, to seriously consider running that franchise as they are in desperate need of some solid leadership. Um, But uh, gee whiz, Bruce, there's a lot to be seen. I, I can... I will have to send up a prayer and a blessing for all of the NBA insiders who probably will not sleep for a two-week window. <laughs> the Wizards, to me, are a, in a permanent state of what the heck's going on here. The, uh, the John Wall contract from a few years ago, coupled with his injury, really has sort of hamstrung them. And it's, uh, it's going to be very tough for them to, to work their way out of that. Sad face. Sad face. Sad face. All right, but, you know. But, but hope springs eternal, and you just never know. I mean, look, teams come out of nowhere sometimes, so we'll see. Everybody's zero and zero on the when the season begins. I don't know if hope springs eternal in the nation's capital. There's a lot going on there, but I, I'm going to go with it. Okay, so draft is tonight. You, my friend, have been in the game in the industry for, we won't age you, long enough to be considered a veteran. You wrote a super cool story about your involvement in the draft for purehoopsmedia.com. Please share. For, uh, I was at ESPN for uh, over 30 years, and during my time there, uh, I was uh, the glue guy on draft night. I worked with uh, David Stern for 11 years on the draft, and then for Adam Silver for four years. And I, I just loved the draft because, to me, the thing I loved about the draft is that dreams come true in real time, and you're right there when it happens. So. Uh, I had some really good moments over the years with some behind-the-scenes stories of what went on there. Um, My first draft was the year LeBron was drafted. And I think some of the insights that I had over the years were a little bit of a different take. It was was a lot of fun to write and just to, you know, go back through those memories. I'm sure that your memory banks, Bruce, have lots of good nuggets on a ton of different athletes, stories that probably – would bring us a range of emotions. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, it was. I mean, the very first draft uh, was, you know, one of the little uh, parts of the story was called LeBron and the Donald. Uh, <laughs> Donald Trump was uh, backstage in the green room at the first um, NBA draft. And uh, it was funny because David Stern and later Adam Silver, during the draft, you know, there, there's this green room where we all would sort of be and we would get the cards, and then we'd go, you know, send them out to the podium, whatever. And and Donald Trump was just another guy backstage back then. I mean, he was not uh, the Donald Trump that we know today. Uh, and I think, you know, it was, you know, he didn't get any private audiences with David Stern, because at that point, uh, I think David Stern was far more important than Donald Trump. That is funny. All right. Yeah, so... So anyway, but and I have a new role now because uh, since I left ESPN, the league still has me involved on draft night. So now I have a, a different role where I work with the social media uh, people and help uh, get the players from different station to station. Uh, and that's really, really fun. I mean, last year uh, when I did that for the first time, um, I had a chance to talk to the uh, parents of Drew Holiday, Justin Holiday, and Aaron Holiday as Aaron was drafted. So they have three sons in the NBA, uh, and as I said in the article, 
NBA draft night uh, is is really a holiday for them. Haha, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, well, Bruce, that's bad, super bad cool pun. though. I didn't know you were still in the mix at the draft. Okay, are you gonna be in Brooklyn or you are? In oh Brooklyn? yeah, oh yeah. Are you gonna be there? Um, no, we, we're doing a live show, so I'll be on studio for the MSG 150 in studio. Well, I'm sure that's going to be very exciting and fun. You guys do a really great job on that show. You have great chemistry. We're having a blast. Well, Bruce, this has been fantastic, but you know what time it is. It's bucket, board, or block time. We're going to mix it up. Instead of trying to rattle off all three, which one you got for me, Bruce? A bucket, board, or block, and what are we sticking to? Free agency, draft, finals, what you thinking? Well... I got a block this week. A block is something that, you know, is negative and makes me unhappy. And the whole idea of Al Horford not being on the Celtics next year makes me very unhappy. A lot of players, you know, cannot be judged by their numbers. And Al Horford was one of them. Uh, He's really the soul of that team. And with Al Horford no longer on the Celtics, um, that makes me very sad. Oh, I'm sad for you. I know. I felt that. I know. Get me a hand. Give me a tissue. (laughs) And a violin. Help this man. Okay, so my (laughs) bucket border block this week, I think I'm going to go with the board. And I'm going back to the KD injury. We also could extend this out to Klay Thompson. Obviously, he had a huge summer coming up, right? And so I think as a basketball NBA fan, whether you were rooting for him to come to your team or stay with the Warriors, like, that hurt. I think that like that injury like hurt for the league. But I think we've seen KD sort of grow. Um, I think he's done some great work with 35 Ventures, his media company. I am curious to see how he comes back from this, what he turns it into during his process, um, if he peels back another layer and allows fans in. Um, I'm just really curious to see how he's going to deal with his recovery process. Um, obviously, we wish him a speedy recovery but I'm super curious to see what happens there. I think there might be um, a really interesting story that would connect with the NBA audience if he decides to share. So Godspeed in his recovery. Um, and then, you know, kind of just curious to see what might come out of it in the silver lining vein. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. Special thanks to my producer slash sidekick slash co-host slash uh, wealth of wisdom on all things NBA over 30 years experience, Bruce Bernstein for kicking it with me on this week's episode. Thanks also to our editor extraordinaire, Ben Wolfen, and the entire Pure Hoops media team. Please check out all of our shows, The Mike Wise Show each Monday, Catch and Shoot with Adam Stanko and Noah Kozlov every Wednesday, The Pure Hoops Podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman on Friday, and of course, Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with me, Monica McNutt, every Thursday. We'll be back next week. Until then, enjoy your hoops. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt has been a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. 